If you would turn to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1 says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, referring to John, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And this morning, if you'll allow me for just a little bit, I want to talk to you about who is worthy. Everyone say, who is worthy. Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for the presence that we've felt in this service thus far. We thank you for all of our guests and visitors, all of our saints and our members. And God, I thank you for the presence that we felt. I thank you for the freedom and the liberty to gather here into this place, into this building, and to lift you up and to send your word forth into the congregation that we may spread it throughout our community. Lord, I pray that you would let this word not fall on deaf ears this morning. God, open our hearts and our minds to receive you this morning. And we give you all the praise and all the thanks because you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. The year was 2008. I was a 15-year-old teenager living in Pearland, Texas, about to embark on the most challenging journey, a journey that was just over a two-week voyage that would require intense dedication and commitment, one that would test the physical boundaries of the human body and the mind. But it was a journey that would require purposeful training in the days leading up to August the 8th, 2008. The task at hand was to train my body to reverse its sleep cycle so that my nights would become days and my days would become nights in order to be aligned with the 13-hour time difference between Texas and the 2008 Beijing Olympics in China. I pushed all the physical boundaries as I binge-watched TV and played video games and consumed sugary candy into the night in order to be awake for the USA men's basketball and swimming at 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. Anybody else watch that with me about 15 years ago? I got a couple hands. I was committed to watch the greatness unfold, and that it did. These Olympics are heralded as perhaps the greatest in modern history due to its record-breaking achievements from the production budget to its participation of countries to the individual and team records that were broken by the likes of Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps and the Redeem team. Greatness was displayed on a daily basis in these arenas as athletes battled to be considered worthy of a gold medal. Not only can we look at sports, we can look at entertainment to find that there are things that determine the worthiness of its participants. You can look at television shows, and every season, TV shows have contestants who compete in competitions 
in reality TV shows, things like American Idol, who will be worthy to be called the next American Idol? Who will be worthy to be the voice? Who would be worthy to receive a rose as the bachelor or bachelorette? Now, none of us watch those things in here, I know, because you are all amazing, righteous people. But we can look across all of human history and find things where there are challenges, there are competitions to find one who is worthy. We can look back nearly two millennia at the Roman Colosseum and read about the stories of gladiators, men who would step into an arena and fight for their life to be worthy of the title gladiator. If you weren't in Sunday school this morning, Brother Piles preached a great message to us about being built to win and fighting in the arena for the things like our doctrine, our gospel, our family, our church. And so we can look back on these gladiators and these people throughout history who would fight for the title that they were worthy to receive. And today, if you'll allow me for just a few minutes, I wanna step into a different arena and look at a different battle. After Adam and Eve were tempted in the Garden of Eden, and they fell to the temptations and disobeyed the command of God, mankind began a battle against sin and the weakness of our flesh in an arena called earth. Everyone say, an arena called earth. If you've never been in the arena, well, maybe you're extraterrestrial, I don't know, but we've all been in the arena called earth and battle against sin and battle against our flesh. This, these past few days, I've been battling against my flesh of sickness. I have been dealing with a bad cold, but thankfully, uh, Bishop Halls and Bishop Vicks has got me through and my cinnamon tea this morning. If you saw me drinking it during Sunday school, I apologize, but I needed it for my throat. So you're gonna have to preach with me this morning as I battle against my flesh, amen. <clears throat> Step into the arena with me today called Earth as we highlight a few of the many people who have stepped foot into this arena and fought diligently. We can read about them all throughout our Bible and all throughout history. Going back to our text in Revelation, we find John, who was the last remaining disciple of Jesus, now an old man who had been deserted to an island called Patmos, having seen in a vision the throne of God. He sees a book in the right hand of God, and he hears an angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? One commentary by Matthew Henry says that the, the angel, describing the angel, the crier was a strong angel. This angel seems to come out not only as a crier, but as a champion with a challenge to anyone of all creature to try the strength of their wisdom in opening the counsels of God. And as a champion, he cried with a loud voice that every creature might hear, who is worthy to open the book? This strong and mighty champion angel sends a message throughout the halls of eternity, throughout the earth and under the earth, referring to those who are dead. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the book that contains the knowledge and the plans of the Almighty? 
who is worthy to break open the seals that bind the secrets of an omnipotent God. All of history is called to attention as the angel scans through the timeline of mankind. The angel observes every person to ever exist, those in heaven, those in earth, and those below the earth. Who is worthy? Following Adam and Eve's fall in the garden, they conceived their firstborn, Cain. And Cain becomes the first person following his parents to step foot into the arena called earth and battle for a title called worthy. Genesis chapter four and verse one says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and care Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. I have gotten a man from the Lord. Eve's response in this verse was joyous. She praised God and recognized that her child was brought through God's enablement despite her fall. And perhaps she thought that she had given birth to the seed of God and recognized that her child could be the one that is promised to crush the head of the serpent. And there is a moment of hope in this verse that one would be found worthy, that Cain could be found worthy to mend what was broken in the garden. But as we know, Cain becomes jealous, quickly jealous of his brother Abel and the sacrifice that Abel brings before God. And the Bible says that Cain became wroth or angry and moved to violence. One day as they were working in the fields, in the heat of his rage in Genesis 4, 8, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And so the Lord proceeded to put a curse on Cain for the rest of his life. And Cain had stepped into the arena and was found unworthy. Who is worthy? Cain disqualified. So we move on. Next, into the arena of earth steps a man named Noah, a man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, a man who was revered as perfect and righteous in his generation, which was filled with wickedness. And so Noah steps into the arena with 500 years of living righteously. And surely at this point, Noah could be found worthy, right? He obeys the command of the Lord to build an ark. He brings every creature into the boat. He brings food into the boat as the Lord floods the earth, destroying every man and creature besides those in the ark. So surely if Noah can obey such an absurd request and follow through with the work God had called him to do and even receive a new covenant with God, then surely he would be found worthy to open the book we read about in Revelation. But as John, having the vision and the angel of the, of the Lord continue to scan throughout history, they find Noah at the top of a mountain in which God had placed the ark. Now with dry and fertile ground, Noah begins to farm and cultivate the land where he abides. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 20 says, And Noah began to be an husbandman 
or a, a cultivator of the land, a farmer, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered in his tent, he was naked in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And so here we find Noah drunk and naked. Perhaps he is suffering from the weight of what he just went through on the ark. And perhaps he was suffering from loneliness or fear. It's possible that he had sexual immorality due to his nakedness. We don't know exactly what caused Noah to be drunk and naked in his tent. But we do know that although Noah lived righteously for over 500 years, 600 years now at this point, he was found imperfect. And he is found by the angel in John's vision to be unworthy. In the arena called earth with a title called worthy, Noah is disqualified. And as the angel of the Lord continues to look through time for one who is worthy, not even the fathers of our faith are qualified. Abraham doubted the promise of God and had a child, Ishmael, with Sarah's servant. Isaac lied about Rebekah being his sister. Jacob lied, deceived, and cheated his father, brother, and uncle. Joseph was prideful because of his father's favoritism in his dreams from God. Moses had a spirit of grumbling and bitterness and spoke harshly to his people. Through all of these heroes of faith, still no one worthy. Great, amazing people have stepped into the arena called earth, but all have left without the title called worthy. And so the angel of the Lord continues the search for one who is worthy. And imagine with me, if you will, use your imagination with me this morning as the hosts of heaven fill the arena. And all of a sudden, a mighty roar bellows from the audience as a mighty, great warrior appears through the main gates of the arena. Now entering the arena is the gladiator of gladiators, a man with physical strength no one could overcome, perhaps the strongest man ever to live, a man who was set apart from birth by God with a certain vow that gave him countless victories over the enemies, enters a champion into the arena, a man who ruled as a judge and delivered victories to the Israelites. Now enters perhaps the greatest challenger to claim the title called worthy. Now enters Samson. Scripture tells us that God began to manifest his power in Samson as a young boy. God had specifically blessed Samson with unforeseen strength like no other, so that he would be able to defeat the enemy, the Philistines, and deliver them unto Israel. Samson's strength, of course, was found in his long hair, as we can read about in the Scripture, and he took a vow to never cut his hair, as it was his source of power. And the story goes with Samson that as a young man, he desired a wife and he found a Philistine woman with whom he desired. And on his way to his bride, he is confronted by a lion that seeks to kill him. And in this moment, Samson is overcome with power from the Lord and defeats the lion with his bare hands. A champion, a gladiator, a strong man, 
Later on, Samson finds victory with the Lord as he destroys the crops of the Philistines by capturing 300 foxes and tying their tails together. And then he sets them on fire and looses them throughout the fields to destroy the crops of the Philistines. Samson again wields the power of the Lord when he slays 3,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey and then escapes captivity from the Philistine camp by ripping the gates from their hinges and escaping. Surely this man, great in strength, surely he must be worthy. Surely this man that knows no defeat must be the one But as we know, Samson falls prey to the lustful spell of Delilah and gives himself to her so that she tricks him and cuts off his hair, removing the source of his great strength, rendering him helpless to the attack and bondage of the enemy. And so in the final days of Samson's life, he finds himself stripped of his strength, stripped of his favor, and chained between two pillars of an arena in which he was to be sacrificed and killed. Samson, a man who entered the spiritual arena as our best contender yet. Samson, a man revered by many for his might and strength. Samson, a man applauded by the armies of the Lord, becomes Samson, a man who is now helpless, ashamed, weak, Samson, a man who his eyes being gouged out is blind. And although God gives him one last moment of favor as he musters enough strength to bring the pillars of the arena crumbling down, despite that, his self-impulsiveness, his fraternization and association with the enemy and unwillingness to stay out of the enemy's camp becomes his downfall. And so the angel of the Lord cries out yet again, who is worthy? Samson, disqualified. Surely there is one who is worthy. Now entering the arena is a king. A king, a shepherd, a man of humble beginnings, a deliverer, a conqueror. Is he worthy? Surely, in steps David, a man after God's own heart, according to 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14, a man of great courage who defeated the giant Goliath and defeated the Philistines, a man of humility and obedience, a man of great passion and love for God, a great worshiper, a writer and a musician, a leader well-respected and revered, in steps David. 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 7 describes David. It says, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his tens thousands. Yet at the height of his victories, a king crowned with the greatest of accomplishments and a chance at the title called worthy. We find David in the middle of the night in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 2. It came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David's lust 
for this woman, for Bathsheba, a woman who was married to Uriah the Hittite, leads him into an affair with her, and she conceives a child from that affair. And upon realizing she was with child, David writes a letter to Joab, Uriah's commanding military officer, to put Uriah in the front lines of battle. And when the battle rages at its highest, to have all of the men pull back so that Uriah is slain and killed. And so once this happens and Uriah is killed in battle, David marries Bathsheba so that his affair that produced a child would not be seen or heard by anyone. Finally, the angel of the Lord finds a man who could be worthy. Yet in a moment of weakness, lust and murder overtake David, and he is found unworthy. Yet another gone. David is disqualified from the title called worthy. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Who is worthy? The angel of the Lord continues its search throughout the halls of history for one who might be worthy to open the book that is in the right hand of him who sits on the throne. The book which is sealed with seven seals and contains the mysteries of God, the plans of God, and the wisdom of God. Who is worthy to open the book? We can go back to our text in Revelation 5.3. And the response of the angel after its intense investigation throughout all the halls of history responds and says, And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. The angel could find no one worthy. And John responded and said in verse 4, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. The apostle John wept much. It was a great disappointment to him, because what he had seen in the one who had sat on the throne, he was very desirous to see and to know more of his mind and his will. This desire, when it was not presently gratified, filled him with sorrow, and he fetched many tears from his eyes. He wept. No one worthy. John had hoped someone could be found worthy because he was so desirous of a greater understanding of the knowledge of God. I pray today that we are brought to the point of weeping for God's revelation. I pray that we are bent over with groanings produced by a desire to know God more. I pray that we are not satisfied with our current level of understanding of the mysteries of the one who sits on the throne and the revelation of his word. I pray that we have the same reaction as John who wept because he wanted to know more about God. But in the midst of John's weeping, one of the elders speaks up 
and says in verse 5, Weep not! Weep not! How many of you have ever had an elder speak into your life in the midst of tears and say, Weep not? How many of you have had a person of God speak into your life and say, Weep not? Now, before I move on, I want to pause. I'm 24 minutes into my message, and up to this point of the message, maybe you found yourself relating to some of the shortcomings of the many people we've talked about. Maybe you can relate to some of the shortcomings and the failures of these men. The jealousy of Cain, the drunkenness of Noah, the doubting of Abraham, the lying of Isaac, the deception of Jacob. The pride of Joseph, the bitterness of Moses, the love of the world of Samson, or the lust of David. Perhaps you've put yourself in the shoes of these men who have succeeded and failed. Perhaps you've tried applying something from this message to your own life, just as I did with John's weeping. And all of that is great, all of that is fine. I believe that our Sunday sermons and our messages should be geared for the people of the church for direction and encouragement, inspiration and for doctrine and for proof and for things of that nature. However, at this point in my message, 25 minutes in, I'm going to stop preaching to you this morning. The rest of this message is not for you or anyone in this building. And as we stand this morning... I am no longer preaching to you. The words that I say are no longer for you. But from here on out, the words that I say are for the one who sits on the throne. My words are no longer going out over this congregation horizontally, but my words are going vertically to the throne room of God. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Brother Zelke, are you worthy? Brother Dustin, are you worthy? Brother Godwin, are you worthy? Who is worthy? Who? John weeps. John weeps because he wants to know more. John weeps because he wants a deeper revelation of the word. He wants to know the King of Kings more intimately. Who is worthy to open the book? Who is worthy? Revelation 5, 5. Behold! Behold. Behold means to fix your eyes upon and to see and stand with attention. Behold. And so enters Jesus. John responds to the elder in verse 6. His response was, the response 
to the declaration that behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now enters Jesus. John's response in verse six says, and I beheld, I fixed my eyes upon, I stood at attention. I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb that had been slain. And so enters Jesus. John chapter one and verse 29 says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so enters Jesus into the arena as the only one who can be found worthy. A lamb without blemish or spot. He enters the arena called earth, not through the main gates like David or Samson with fanfare and applause. No, but through a back door called Bethlehem, unrecognized, dirty, filthy, born into a life in which he was oppressed, afflicted, and despised. Revelation 5, 7 goes on to say, and he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and the 20 elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And with the echo of the voice of the angel crying, who is worthy? In verse 11, John hears the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such that are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. I'm not preaching to you anymore today. My words are not for you today. But Lord, I bring you a praise that honors the price of redemption for which you were slain. Lord Jesus, I bring you a praise that honors the work of redemption on Calvary's cross. God, I bring a praise to you that honors the destination of redemption, which is found in heaven. Jesus, I bring a praise that honors the payment of redemption, which was your blood.
Lord, I bring you a praise that honors the scope of your redemption, which is to every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Jesus, I lift up a praise to you that honors the length of your redemption, which is eternal, just as you are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first, the last, the one which was and is to come from everlasting to everlasting. Lord, I exalt my praise to you for the result of redemption, which was and is that we will behold the glory and reign with you eternally. God, I exalt you above everything, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. Jesus, I thank you for being the only one who is worthy. Is he worthy today? Neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is not for you. This is for him today. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. My praise today is to Emmanuel, God with us. The praise is to the one we call wonderful, counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. This praise is to the stone which the builders rejected, who has become the chief cornerstone. My praise is to the Word who created all things and to the Word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. My shout this morning is to the God who was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen on of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed in the world, and received up into glory. My reverence this morning is to the one who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the one whose chastisement of our peace was upon him. My praise is to the one whom the elders cast their crowns before his throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord to receive glory and honor and power. My exaltation is to the one whom Isaiah saw sitting on the throne and whom the seraphims cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. My praise this morning is to the only one who is worthy to open the book. Will you praise him today? Do you know him today? Will you let him in this morning? Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. He alone is worthy.